Our second scripture reading comes to us from the book of Acts, chapter 16, verses 9 through 15. During the night, Paul had a vision. There stood a man of Macedonia pleading with him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. When he'd seen the vision, we immediately tried to cross over to Macedonia, being convinced that God had called us to proclaim the good news to them. We set sail from Troas and took a straight course to Samothrace, the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city in the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in the city for some days. On the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate by the river, where, we're supposed that, where we are supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who were gathered there. A certain woman named Lydia, a worshiper of God, was listening to us. She was from the city of Thyatira and a dealer in purple cloth. The Lord opened her heart to listen eagerly to what was said by Paul. Then she and her household were baptized. She urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come and stay at my home. And she prevailed upon us. This ends the reading of God's holy word. May God add many blessings to the hearing of it. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we've come into your house and gathered in your name to worship you. Enable us to hear your call in our lives. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts here together be found pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Our Lord, our rock, our redeemer. Amen. Today we're concluding our summer sermon series on overlooked women of the Bible. And due to the shortness of the summer and the busyness of the summer, we have only scratched the surface. Truthfully, this is a sermon series we could probably do for the entire year looking at different men and women who might just be mentioned in one or two verses, who are overlooked, who are forgotten, who even Bible scholars don't know their names, but that we can learn so much about. And today we're going to be looking at the woman Lydia. Lydia is mentioned in the passage today from the 16th chapter of Acts, and that's it. She's not mentioned any place else. But in this book of Acts, it takes, in this chapter of Acts, it takes place at the early start of the church. And Paul and Silas and Timothy are missionaries and they've been traveling throughout Asia and now they do not know where to go next. One night while they're sleeping, Paul receives a vision. A man from Macedonia who says, come to Macedonia and help us. We should be able to tell the strength of that vision by the fact that when they woke up, they immediately set sail for Macedonia. And they traveled to some cities where they ended up in Philippi, which Paul would later form a church and write the letter to the Philippians from. They were there for a few days, and on the Sabbath day, they went outside the gates down to the river where there was a place of prayer. And there were some women there, and they began to talk to them. And only one of the women is mentioned by name, Lydia. And scripture tells us that God opened her heart and she heard what Paul was saying or preaching or praying. 
And she was transformed. She was changed. Her and her entire household were baptized. And they offered Paul and his entourage a place to stay. We know very little about Lydia. We know she was a dealer in purple cloth. Now, purple was the color of royalty because purple was a rare color because purple cloth was very expensive. So this tells us that Lydia was probably wealthy. We also know that she was a God worshiper. Now, that phrase might sound familiar because we're talking about a transformation to a Christian. And how is that different? But a God worshiper was someone who worshiped the Israelite God but was not Jewish. Most likely they worshipped the Israelite God, but they worshipped other gods as well. I want to focus today on the two responses Lydia has to receiving the good news. In receiving the good news, she does two things. She's baptized and she offers hospitality to Paul and his entourage. And I think it's very important to note that Lydia, upon receiving the good news of Jesus Christ, upon hearing of the story of Christ, of deciding to follow Christ, immediately turns to a life of service. Her first response is to offer hospitality. She sees a need and she sees a way to fulfill it. And she does so. And she doesn't just offer hospitality, but she prevails upon Paul, upon Timothy, upon Silas. Please stay with me. You need somewhere to stay. I have room. Come. My house is your house. And we need to remember that when we follow Christ, we are called to a life of serving others. We are called to a life where we are to seek out needs and to help to fill those needs. Lydia offers the gift of hospitality. We all have gifts to offer. So often when we think of serving, we think of huge mission trips. We think of big acts, but it doesn't have to be anything big. Through a million small hospitable acts, we can change the world. Through offering the meal to someone who's hungry, shelter to someone who needs shelter, For helping anyone in need, we can change the world. As followers of Christ, we are called to a life of service, whatever form that might take. And Lydia shows that the simple act of opening her home can be considered a life or an act of service. It could be fulfilling a need. The other thing I want to focus on is that Lydia was baptized. And there are two things that we see from Lydia's baptism. The first that we see is baptism is a communal event. She's baptized there at her river. Her household is there. The women are there. Paul, uh, Silas, and Timothy are there. There is a community gathered there. In the Reformed tradition to which we belong, there are no private baptisms because the community of faith is involved. When Hannah was baptized, I served two churches and I was torn from a theological standpoint where to have her baptized. 
because they were all going to be involved in her baptism. So we had a joint service where both communities came together and worshipped together and celebrated her baptism. Recently, I've been... uh, I have to take half an hour to eat my meals. I've been told that every meal should be stretched out for 30 minutes. And I've always been a fast eater, so this is a challenge. I was like, 30 seconds, no problem. And the nutritionist, no, 30 minutes. And so one of the things I've started doing during lunch is I'll fire up Netflix and watch an old sitcom. They're about 28 minutes or so. So if I could make my, stretch my meal throughout one show, I'm, I'm doing good. And recently I've been re-watching The Office. And all right, several of you are familiar with The Office. It's it's about Dunder Mifflin, the paper company from Scranton, Pennsylvania, that's managed by Michael Scott, who is the most socially inept person you would ever see. And he always tries to make everything about himself, tries to insert himself into private situations. When one employee is giving birth, he goes into the delivery room. When another two employees are getting married, he throws a fit because he's not considered part of the family. And about two weeks ago, there was an episode that really grabbed my attention because I was preparing for this service. And it's when Jim and Pam, two employees who are, are married and have a daughter, Cece, are having their daughter baptized. And they show up to church that morning, and they are shocked to see the entire office staff there. And they said, no, we weren't expecting everyone. We don't know what's going on. And then the camera cuts to Michael Scott. And he said, yeah, I invited everyone. He said, because today's not about the baby. It's not about the parents. It's not about the pastor. It's not even about me. It's about everybody. And I paused it at that point, because as much as Michael Scott usually messes up, he was so right on this point. Now, I don't think the writers were thinking about it theologically or, or considering what baptism means when they wrote this. But baptism just isn't about the person being baptized. It isn't just about the parents. It isn't about, it's about the entire community. Because when we baptize, we as a community enter into relationship with one another. We enter into relationship with one another and we enter into relationship with God. That's why in a few minutes when we baptize Zoe and Benjamin, you will have a role to play. As I told the the children, Sharon is going to ask you questions and you will be expected to respond. We are baptizing these children, recognizing that God loves them. But we are affirming that we love them and we love God. And as such, we are going to help to raise them to follow Christ. Help to raise them to love God. It's not just about them, but it's about all of us gathered together in God's name, affirming that God loves each of us and God loves these two children. The other thing we should take from Lydia's baptism is that baptism is a visible sign of God's invisible grace. Denominations argue endlessly about baptism. And one of the biggest arguments is if we should baptize as infants or baptize as adults. Proponents of adult baptism say it has to be the person's choice to be baptized. They have to decide, they have to make that choice. We, as proponents of infant baptism, say that baptism is a sign that God has already chosen us. 
That even before we were born, God chose us. That God calls us to be God's people. Now, I think Lydia's story could be used to argue both sides. Because Lydia is an adult. She chooses to be baptized. But if we dig a little bit deeper, if we go back to the beginning of the passage, we see that God sends Paul to Lydia. God and Silas and Timothy are lost. They don't know where to go, what to do next. And God has a vision saying, go to Macedonia. Help them. And once in Macedonia, he encounters Lydia. God chose Lydia. God sent Paul to Lydia. If you need further evidence, as God is, or as uh, Paul is preaching or speaking or praying or talking to the women, Scripture tells us that God opened Lydia's heart. We see that Lydia is baptized because God chose her. That she is God's beloved child. Just as Zoe and Benjamin are God's beloved child. Just as we are all God's beloved children. That's the invisible grace. And the baptism is the visible sign where we see that we are God's beloved children. We see that God chose us. Lydia is only mentioned for a brief time. Just six verses and half of them aren't even about her. But in her we see that we all have gifts to share. Whether it be hospitality or some other gift that as Christians, as followers of Christ, we are called to service. But we also see the importance of baptism. That baptism is a communal event That in baptism we enter into covenant with one another and with those being baptized, promising to walk in the faith and to help each other grow in faith. And we see that baptism above all is a visible sign of God's invisible grace. That's a reminder that God chose us. That God loves us. And that God calls us. Amen.